Welcome to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the other people at the table. I'm Dungeon Master Ian. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm Dungeon Master Neil, aka Joke Maniac. Must be a special episode. Yes, yes it is. It's our Christmas episode another very merry dmb christmas our third one watch out watch out (laughs) so you guys you guys know how this goes we're gonna have a great time reflecting on just the past year of the dungeon masters block and now we can even say the block party podcast network so we are going to be heading into the meet and doing once again our 12 questions of christmas but before we do that, we have one super awesome, pretty long five-star review, our only five-star review from the beautiful country of Sweden. This is the five-star review from Luke Booth, entitled Awesome and Inspiring. He says, I am not an avid d player, but I do love storytelling. I played a few games with a group of friends over the course of the year. Over time, I began developing my own story in the back of my head. As I began trying to evolve my idea, I started listening to D&D podcasts for fun. D&D is for nerds, Sneak Attack, and God's Fall, (laughs) to mention my favorites. But it wasn't until I ventured away from that and began listening to the DMs block. They're okay. Yeah, they're, they're okay. That I realized how awesome running my own game could be and all the things I had been doing wrong in my own game. Since then, I've put together my own group of players, built my own world, and written my own story that my players, who are totally new to D&D, are loving so far. We always love new players. Yes, we do. Like we said, this is long. (laughs) These guys are to thank for that. They are funny, inspiring, educational, passionate about D&D, and it shows in every episode. But we try. (laughs) With bated breath... I wait for every new episode in anticipation of what I might learn next. If you give these guys a try, I can guarantee that you won't be disappointed. Actually, more likely, you'll become addicted. We are officially a drug. (laughs) FDA approved. And if you're really new to the, the game or the title as a DM, as I was, start at episode 44, DMing for dummies, and go from there. Also, the DC is awesome. <laughs> I like how you added in the, 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 the DC. DC is awesome. <laughs> yeah, DC is awesome, but Marvel's better. Keep going, in. <laughs> Marvel all the way. Last sentence is, it's Warner Brothers that sucks. <laughs> Read a Batman hush. Thanks for this epic podcast, guys. Keep doing what you're doing and keep being the best in the biz. Thank you awesome. so, much. so much. Thank Man, you, Man, that was fantastic. It was super long. I'm surprised that I don't think we've ever had one as long as that. It's very which, verbose. Which kind of surprises <laughs> me. <laughs> but thank you so much, Luke Booth. It's good to have at least one listener in the great country of Sweden. If you're listening in Sweden and you haven't given us a five-star iTunes review, do so, and we will be checking it out. So Thank you, Luke. And with that, let's head to the very special holiday meet. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? Looks like meat 
Back on the menu, boys. So we're back. We're looking back at another year. It's it's Christmas time, time of reflection and cheer. Oh my gosh, that rhymed. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> totally on accident. Oh, totally on accident. And so we once again, uh, Neil, I believe last year you came up with this idea of let's have the 12 questions and go through this. So this year we're going to be going through these questions again with new answers. So let's start it. Question number one, what was your favorite episode from the DMB in 2016? Ian, you're our newest host, so we're going to give you the honor of starting off these questions. Yeah, uh, we were just talking about this off air, and and my favorite episode from 2016 happens to be episode 78, uh, entitled World Building Origin Story. That's a good one. And and the guest that week was actually Aram Vartian from the God's Fall Actual Play podcast, which uh, the review mentioned. It's a great podcast if you haven't listened to it. But we were talking in that episode about worlds and how worlds can begin and you know generating a creation mythos. And uh, I really enjoy that because I spent a lot of time on my mythos and developing it and making sure it flowed. And, and it gave me a lot of really good ideas. In fact, it made me kind of re-jumpstart my creative process in that regard and shore up some things that were weak in my own in my own creation mythos. That was one of the ones that I was thinking about choosing. I'm glad you chose it because that was a great episode. Neil, how about you? What was your favorite episode? So one week later, episode 79. Racial profiling dwarves came out. <laughs> and it was my favorite episode. Uh <laughs> It's, I mean, if you go onto the forums, we have a little space where you can put your favorite race and your favorite class, minus Dwarf Cleric. It's what I've played um, since second edition all those years ago when I started. And it's just what I've always been drawn to. So listening to, getting to be a fan and listen to Chris and uh, Main Prize talk about it, that was probably my the reason I enjoyed it so much because I just got to sit there and enjoy it. <laughs> no work involved. Exactly. <laughs> no research. <laughs> and dwarves have beards, and yes, that we all know. <laughs> the best. My favorite episode from 2016. Episode I was, 80. I was shocked. Uh, what was episode 80? No, I don't know, because I said he said 78. Just going in linear order, yeah. I assumed. My favorite episode, I'm going to give a really cheap answer because this was a two-part episode. So episode 69 and 70 were definitely my favorite. That was World Building with Ed. We had Ed Greenwood on the show, and holy cow, that was that was so awesome to just be able to soak in all of his uh, his wisdom and learn more about him. And oh man, just meeting meeting a personal hero of mine, like even though it wasn't in real life, but over Skype was just so awesome. So that was really, really cool. Uh, and a, a very, very close second to those two episodes would have been episode 72, where me and Chris discussed epilogues, because I love the idea of epilogues. All right, question number two. What was your favorite off-the-air moment in 2016? Ian, let's start with you. What was your favorite off-air moment in 2016? Well, you know, other than this episode, I've only been a host on one <laughs> other one, uh, the Monarchy episode. And so I can only draw from that experience. But in doing the closing of that particular episode, I botched the ending. Oh, yes. And I said, lowering the eagles, when all of you know, 
if you've listened to the show long enough. It's lowering the egos. And it was just a slip of the tongue, which I'm sure will make it into some sort of bloopers reel. But Mitch and I had a yep. really good laugh about that particular <laughs> slip of the do. tongue. I like yes, to bring it up every time Gandalf-ish. I see you. Gandalf-ish, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lower the eagles. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what was crazy, though? is that Neil, on a yeah. very recent episode, did the same thing and had no idea that you had ever done <laughs> that it. That is nope. awesome. <laughs> so I get to make fun of him it's as It's probably well. a California it's spreading. thing. Yep. Almost like the eagle's wings. Uh, <laughs> yes. What about you, Neil? So for me, it was actually building the Halloween one-shot. Hmm. It's just an interesting experience to kind of tap into the people from around the industry that we've come into contact with and get great ideas from them. I mean, the fact that I was able to get stuff from Rich Howard, J.M. Perkins, Mike Shea, Suzanne from Roll20, and then add in some of my own flavor. It was just, I don't know. I had never done anything like it. So it was just a really cool experience. And then getting to give that to the listeners. And they, they very much uh, seem to appreciate it, the ones that used it for their Halloween adventures. For me, it definitely was... The airing of both the GM Showcase and Geek Wars. When I was able to finally tweet, hey, these episodes are out. That was the coolest part of the coolest off-air moment. Like, putting all that work into those uh, shows. I know that um, all of us have done work on editing for those shows. And especially GM Showcase. Holy cow, the work that goes into each of those episodes. It's just really great to it was really great to be able to put that work out there for people to enjoy and to showcase some of the great GMs that are out there as well. And along with that, running Geek Wars Live at a Catacon was awesome. All right, so number three is what was your favorite moment out of our campaign or your adventures in 2016? So Mitch's group that I'm a part of has taken a break from D&D, and we've tried out Fantasy Flight's Edge of the Empire stuff for Star Wars, and we're running a campaign through that in which I play a human bounty hunter by the name of Etan Vray. He's very business-like, often makes poor decisions uh, (laughs) that result in tactically him uh, fainting more often than not uh, from exhaustion and or loss of hit points. One of my favorite things, though, is if I get set up right, I I can can do some damage with him. And to, to have that kind of power, like to set up, we don't actually set up well. In that campaign, we just kind of go in guns blazing. <laughs> so far, so, so far. So far. But, uh, you know, we had this one where we were coming down on a group of, or it was a swoop gang, that we had angered into destroying Anchorhead. Anyway, they killed most of the people in Anchorhead, hopefully not shattering the Star Wars universe too much. <laughs> you know, hopefully Luke wasn't there. We don't know. Um, but anyway, we're playing in that time period. So anyway, the... To, to to be the primary damager of the party as a squishy and having to go from really far away and being able to down people just from so ridiculously far. It, it was probably one of my favorite moments. Nice. What about you, Neil? It was actually when my players totally defeated a level in front of them. It was a water level, and they figured out expertly how to drain the water. You know, there was nothing to be done. And it was just cool. It was just cool to see them all work together and make the experience easier on them because I was legitimately concerned for their well being. But hey. Was this the water temple from Legend of Zelda? <laughs> they all used their um, heavy boots. 
but then realized <laughs> that they didn't have the right tunic and drowned. Uh, oh, sad. <laughs> no, it was for, again from the Emerald Spire and they, yeah, they figured out how to cancel out some portals and drain the level and make it way easier on them and honestly on me because then I didn't have to remember all the swimming rules. <laughs> Nor subject your party to a TPK. Yes, also true. <laughs> nice. For me, my favorite moment was in the Voyage on the Unending Sea campaign. The death of Stephen Creel was my favorite. Man, it, and just the events that happened afterwards, uh, Chris playing Sanjan and just going into a state of not talking for like an entire game session, writing a note to be read to the crew, watching watching his brother Casey read it and as a person he started like crying like a little bit oh man it's those moments that are just so good and just the death of a character that everybody thought was very humorous and kind of annoying but it still like it weighed heavily on them as PCs and as players it was just it was pretty phenomenal that tells a lot about me. I feel like every single time I share about a favorite moment, it's like <laughs> somebody died. I killed somebody as a DM. <laughs> I made characters. my players <laughs> cry again. I Yay. love to make my players cry, whether it's out of anger or not. <laughs> That's just a sign of good storytelling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you're being a jerk. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> one of the two. Question number four is what was the coolest D and D item in or out of game that you received during 2016? So, you know, I got a lot of stuff where we went to a catacomb. You know, I used some some free money that I had for from Amazon to buy a DM screen for that, to buy a new dice bag because mine mysteriously went away. Mitch and I both used the same DM screen from Savage Worlds. Uh, it's not for d specifically, but you can find it on Amazon. It's a tri-fold one. It's really nice. And the, the dice bag is from uh, actually Third Die, D-I-E. And uh, it's a reversible dice bag that comes in a lot of different colors. Uh, stands open when you when you open it, and it's, it's pretty cool. So those are probably my two favorite items for the out-of-game for playing in-game. How about you, Neil? Tome of Beasts. Done. Oh, yes. <laughs> Neil, you talked about that in our last Christmas episode. Yeah, I backed it and had some of the preview, and it is, it's ridiculous. Is, is it fully out yet? Yeah, and so I have it, and then it came with a set of pawns, and there's some locations and stuff with it. It's super good. I mean, because you immediately expanded out the monster set that you have for 5th edition by literally hundreds, and... I mean, nice. I'll, I'll never, I can't envision a scenario while I'll ever use everything in that book, but um, <laughs> definitely opens up and gives a lot of options that your players might not already know about. That's awesome. That's pretty sweet. For me, I just recently got a bunch of D&D spell cards, so I'm super excited to use those, the official D&D spell cards. I still need to get more. I still need to get more to complete my collection. But I did get some, so I'm excited to use those with my druid for Chris's campaign that he's running right now. Yes. And along with that, I, of course, had to go and get another Hero Forge mini since I have a new character. <laughs> and I love Hero Forge. They're awesome. Question number five is, what 2016 movie 
do you find to be the greatest inspiration for a D&D campaign? It's a toss-up for me, and I'm going to pull a Mitch here, uh, between two <laughs> movies, actually. Uh, the first was Warcraft, obviously. Uh, it got poor reviews by critics, but it wasn't made for the critics. It was made for the fans, and I feel like every fan that I've talked to absolutely loved the Warcraft movie and the way that they did it, and um, you know, uh, the CG was like perfect for what the game would have been, and I, I absolutely loved it. The other one was Star Trek, Star Trek Beyond, <clears throat> because some of the swarm mechanics in there are, are are phenomenal and could actually play really well to a game. Whether you know you're encountering an old school AI, if you've got some sort of fantasy sci-fi crossover on your world, uh, you know they wander into an ancient ruin and there are these these AIs that they have no idea what they are. Your players, um, so the swarm mechanics were really cool, and the fact that they used the Beastie Boys as an as as classical <laughs> music in that movie was amazing. <laughs> what about you, Neil? So it's kind of a toss up. So I'll say both, and uh, I would say Deadpool, uh, just because that's hilarious and awesome, and that's how most <laughs> games end up actually going. So <laughs> that everybody that. is Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, um, and the other one was Ten Cloverfield Lane. Oh, huh. I, I like yeah. that movie, it's man. Good yeah, it's, good. It's, a, it's a really interesting way to like essentially start your group in a very small area, and then by the end of the movie, it's a worldwide issue that needs yeah. to be dealt with. And I think it's a good example of how to escalate a story. Hmm. My 2016 movie was one that I would have, when I looked through the list, I was like, all right, I'm probably going to pick a Marvel movie or something like something big, but it ended up being something that I was like, yeah, you know what? That was actually a great, a great one that I could see being good inspiration. Free state of Jones. I loved that movie. It was an awesome telling of a historical event. And I think that would be a great inspiration. And if you don't know the story, it's basically that this man and his family basically take a bunch of people who are tired of the war and go hide in the woods. And they're like, we're going to have our own free state. We're going to call it the free state of Jones. We're going to hide in the woods. This is going to be our land. And we're going to be separated from the rest of the country that's at war. And they make their own like little nation and they make their own laws and everything. And it's, it's a really good movie. I really, really enjoyed it. And I think that would be a cool campaign for a D&D campaign that there's a war going on that a group of the PCs don't want to be a part of it, don't want their families to be a part of it, and they retreat into the woods or a valley or whatever it is, and they create their own quote-unquote nation. That'd be really sweet. Question number six is, what was the greatest lesson from RPGs that you learned over the past year? I always say this, but especially when I'm relating with other, other people, just learning that people don't think like I do, <laughs> uh, I think, is the biggest, the biggest challenge because I'm, I'm a very direct person. I, I see black and white usually, and I don't do a good job of seeing gray. And so typically my characters, who are limited by the scope of my intellect, also have problems seeing, you know, gray, which is why I like paladins because there's no gray for a paladin, <laughs> um, you know, or playing a neutral wizard because, hey, I can make my own code. I don't have to abide by everybody else. But, you know, especially in this uh, this uh, Star Wars campaign that we're running, you know, I'm the captain of the ship and uh, I don't always see eye to eye with the other players because they're like, no, we could go totally do this. I was like, that doesn't make sense because <laughs> it's not the most direct route. 
or you know, we should be stealthy. You guys want to be loud, or I want to be loud, and you guys want to be stealthy. Like, so just learning that people don't think like I do, and that that's okay. <laughs> I love, and sometimes I feel bad for you in that campaign because you are the captain, and a lot of the times, what happens is you go, "Here's the plan." Everybody goes, "That sounds good to me." And then they go along with the plan. That if that plan goes wrong, though, they turn around. And they're like, "That was a terrible that was plan." Horrible. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, so. Why yeah. didn't you say anything before, you dummies? <laughs> oh gosh, I love it, Neil. What about you? So for me, it is that prep is still a moving target, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, really trying to figure out, you know, how much prep I should do, what's too little, what's too much, and then accepting the fact that you'll probably never be right because you have players at your table i mean <laughs> honestly that that's the long and the short of it because you don't know what they're going to do with what you gave them and it could all go out the window but accepting that that's okay because that's just how this is built especially when you're planning a one shot like i am for later this month there is uh, there's some problems with that because i you know you don't know how much even to prepare for a one shot you're trying to plan for every contingency but again there's this problem where you know of the wrench of of players and they never react the way you want them to. <laughs> never. Ever. <laughs> For me, um, speaking of players, I think my lesson um, has come from just, I feel like over this past year, I've the thing that I've been working on as a dungeon master and trying to work more and more and make myself better at is giving more and more player agency. So like through all the many awesome guests we've had on the show, like a lot of the times we talk about like player agency and you got to give your players agency. And for me, that's been something that I've been really trying to implement more and more. And so, and this is, I think goes along with Neil, your prep thing is that I will write down rather than, okay, I want them to meet an NPC that will fill this need. Instead of coming up with an NPC, I go, I'm going to determine that Ian's character knows this NPC. Ask Ian about NPC. And so we did that like in the Star Wars campaign once. Yeah, like there was, yeah. you guys went to Narshida, the smuggler's moon. And as we were landing there, I said, well, you know a place that you can dock for free. You have a friend here. And I think if I was in the player seat, I would have expected the DM just be like, here's your friend. Oh, cool. But instead, and it, I mean, it threw you and uh, Casey off a little because I don't yeah, think this is yeah. something that happens often. But I was like, tell me, who's your friend? What's his race? What does he do? And so you guys created this this character named Zemek, who's a pawn. Uh, basically, he runs this big pawn shop area with all these different items and stuff. He's got a protocol droid. You guys went into what species he was. And I like that a lot because one, it cuts out some prep time for me as the DM and immediately the players are going to be invested in that NPC because they were the ones who came up with him. So I really, I've been learning and pushing myself forward to become better and better at that because I think that makes you a better DM. Question number seven is what other great RPGs did you play in 2016? Fantasy Flight has been awesome. Uh, you know, Mitch contacted me. I, I, I don't know. I, uh, my schedule changed, and, and so it made me available on Thursday nights, and, and he contacted me a while ago and said, hey, uh, do you love Star Wars? And I was like, do you know who I am? <laughs> like, yes, I love Star Wars. And he goes, great, we're doing this campaign. And I was like, sweet, is it D20? And he goes, no. And I was like, wait, what? It's not D20? Uh, okay. 
He's like, no, it's this fantasy flight thing. And I was like, I have, I have never heard of such a thing. And, and so, you know, it's been, it's a really cool system. Fantasy flight did a great job. The dice are really different. Uh, but once you get the hang of it, uh, it's, it's super fun. And then they put out a, a, a minis game that Mitch and I have played, uh, that has been also based off the same system. It's more of the combat thing, though. You're moving minis around a map kind of thing. But Fantasy Flight, uh, their RPG line for Star Wars has been phenomenal to play through. And, you know, with the, the, the destiny points, you get to flip them over or change them from light to dark, both as the DM and as the player, to influence the story, to say, you know, I've used the destiny points to say, hey, yeah, I actually have a contact here because I'm a bounty hunter that I can go to and find a job. And, and they've done a really, really good job. And I really like Fantasy Flight's Edge of the Empire system because it oh, gives I a little it. bit of a different, yeah, different it's, flavor. It's great. It's very different, but I love it. Actually, partially the same for me is playing some of the Edge of the Empire because, I mean, it's really cool to fail, but still not fail completely because yeah. it's not that hard line. Something good you, happens. <laughs> yeah, you did or did not pass. And I then, failed with advantage. What does that yeah. mean? <laughs> or or even succeeded with a threat, the flip side. So yep. um, that the other one, though, that is the top for me is the Terrible RPG by Jim McClure. So just search that, go find that, and go play that. So I played it and I had a great time doing so and want to hopefully play it again sometime soon. My answer was also Fantasy Flight. Hey. <laughs> However, Ooh, Fantasy I'll give Flight. another one. I also had the opportunity to play in a awesome custom wushu game. And so the the person who ran it did some custom changes to it. And I can't tell you much more about that game, but it was pretty awesome. I liked wushu because it seemed like a pretty simple system. And the system also runs completely off of going off of player agency, whatever you say happens. So the players, it's a very player-driven story game, and I liked that a lot. And number eight is what classic Christmas story or element would you like to see in a D&D game? So I, I go back to video games all the time because I, I'm a big video game guy, and one of my favorite video games is actually Borderlands 2. And I know this sounds weird because you're like, Ian, it's a Christmas episode. What are you talking about Borderlands for? <laughs> well, in one of the, the DLC packs for that, there's this Christmas episode that they put out where Marcus, if you're familiar with uh, any of the characters at all, is in a winter wonderland. <laughs> and the snowmen have been possessed by some sort of evil energy force. And you've got to go fight the snowmen. And there are evil reindeer and evil gnomes. <laughs> and or, or not gnomes. Evil elves that, that wander around. And so I would love to see some sort of, especially as a player some sort of evil Santa's workshop or evil North Pole <laughs> where you have to go and rescue the real Santa because the, the regular Santa has not or has been deposed that or something like of that bloody nature. Oh, it would be so much fun, especially for like a one shot. You're playing in a winter wonderland and that allows you to add in some elements of snow and ice and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, just that episode in particular gave me a bunch of ideas for like a, a wintertime campaign or, you know, just like a goofy, you know, you need a break. So what, what better than to kill toy, toy making elves and possessed <laughs> snowmen? Gosh, all I can think of is uh, Weird Al Yankovic's song, The Night Santa Went Crazy Now. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Neil, what about you? Okay, so mine is no less ridiculous. Um, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I want to create a troop of bards. 
that are going around and like slowly taking <sighs> over a town by using their caroling and so that That's they can use so their bardic skill to like you know plant suggestions <laughs> and slowly take over town during christmas oh that that would so be awesome good. <laughs> oh man that's sick i don't that's even it. i don't even know that's if i can it. go into mine now it's just too cool <laughs> <laughs> i've totally lost track yeah i oh man those are so good i put down for mine that i would love to simply see if you guys listen to the last christmas episodes last year we had our little story time that chris me and neil did the voices for a a little short story that i wrote called how the lich stole christmas an obvious play on how the grinch stole christmas i would love to do a one shot on how the lich stole christmas and just like actually play through that things might be a little different but i would love to do that so that that would be my uh my christmas idea for this year Number nine is what was your favorite monster that you got to run in 2016? I was asked to do a one shot uh, by the D&D group at my school. So I was like, okay, well, you know what? I'll run it in my world uh, of Altera and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put you guys through what I call the, the Battle of the March. The March is like a region. In this region, there's this this ash that's basically dark magic energy that falls to the ground and when enough of it gets together the the ash constitutes itself into what i call an, an ashling they're scary monsters but uh anyway they're when they first come out they're very violent they're very berserk ish very strong and as they grow to maturity that gets tempered with wisdom and, and experience and stuff like that. But to have the players in the middle of an ash fall with these creatures rising up around them, it was very much very little role playing. It was survival. You know, can you survive? You know, can you discover the weakness the Ashlings have? Playing these mindless kind of, you know, berserking creatures called Ashlings is pretty cool. Those sound sweet. Yeah, TPK'd. I did not mean to do that. <laughs> nice. Did not mean to do that, but it happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. All right, Neil. We oh, T- that would be a great question. What was your favorite TPK moment? <laughs> Teaching them young. This is how D&D works, kids. This is how life works. <laughs> uh, so for me, I actually got to play a World of Warcraft themed uh, game, and I got to play Murlocs hmm, and nice. make, make Murloc noises. So, yeah, see, <laughs> boom. So that was that was enjoyable because they're crazy, and they were pumped up, and I loved it. Awesome. For me, my favorite monster that I got to run was I got to run a pit fiend as my players journey through the abyss in my unending sea campaign, and uh, it was a it was a rough battle. They almost lost, I believe, two of the players. But they eventually were able to defeat the Pit Fiend. And they, it was just awesome seeing, one, I was be, a, being able to run a really high-level monster that did some crazy things. And then, two, seeing how the players used some really creative ways to negate some of the monster's powerful attacks. was It was just a good time all around. So that was my favorite monster I got to run in 2016. Number 10 is what was your favorite NPC that you got to run in 2016? I would say just in general in in the world of Altera again I go back to that cuz 
running that one shot is, is was a lot of fun. And of course it's non-canonical, which if you listen to that episode, you can you can hear what happens. But the 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 general who actually leads that battle, his name is Talthus Orel. And Talthus is very much he's very much a, a, a commander of men, sort of like Faramir from Lord of the Rings. Very upright, very intelligent, very smart. He's very just. I would say Talthus is a very fun character to play. Uh, in fact, he he's one of the the stalwart characters that that anyone in, who plays in this time period will meet. And players generally love him because he's he's like Faramir uh, from Lord of the Rings, very very much a likable guy, very much very much a king. How about you, Neil? I've been trying to rack my brain as to whether or not this was my answer last year. And if it was, <laughs> you have been it, going through this long dungeon. One day. Yeah. One day, Neil, you'll say, hey, I've started a new campaign. But <laughs> Oh, yeah. Essentially, the, it's the NPCs that I made the catalyst for the story. It's a transmuter mage named Abernard who was the one that pulled the party together. And then his uh, familiar turned catfolk, Felix. And I just love playing <laughs> both those characters together because one's pretty calm, the mage, and the other's pretty out there and oh, does Felix sounds awesome <laughs> yeah so those those two are my favorite <laughs> well if he's anything like a real cat he's very manic yeah my favorite npc was hands down steven creel uh it was a sad day for me when he died too because i wouldn't be playing him anymore playing with his high-pitched uh squeaky voice this teenager who was a acolyte of procon that nobody at the temple wanted him because he was terrible at magic and just and no <laughs> one on the kid. ship liked yeah <laughs> no one on the ship liked following around chris's character sanjen and constantly being in like just idling him and oh he was just a fun character to play he was a great humorous character to play in a very tragic campaign that in the end him being on the ship led to probably one of the biggest tragic moments in the campaign, but oh, he was so much fun to play. Number 11 is what was your favorite dungeon experience in 2016? I would say for me, in playing in Chris's campaign, I'm playing a wizard, this drow elf, uh, who is unlike very many other dark elves in that he's not chaotic evil. He is not aligned with Lolth. Uh, he's, a, he's a true neutral who, is, uh, who worships Bokob. And so he's a little he's a little off of what you normally think. And so to to have him walking around through the, with this party, we were tasked with taking some unknown cargo out of the city. Our first like real mission at level one. And I I've never really liked playing wizards through the first like three levels in three point five because they just they were horrible and you could get one shot by a dagger and it just wasn't good. But I'm loving the wizard in 3.5, and the amount of DPS that you can put out is insane. <laughs> the hooked horrors that we encountered in this long, narrow tunnel, being the main guy who's saving their butts by putting out the most DPS has been a lot of fun, uh, especially in that dungeon, taking out the hook horrors. Neil, what about you going through the same dungeon? What's happened for you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is a lot of fun because each level is very different and they get a lot of time outside between each level. It was actually when they were on the fourth level of the Emerald Spire and it's full of troglodytes. And initially they did a great job of just being diplomatic and then that fell apart. And it was great to have the entire level be like, oh, no, you didn't. And then go and attack them. 
but the favorite part of the whole thing was that in the middle, there's like this big thing that all the troglodytes are trying to keep up and use. And there are two 10 foot statues, Hmm. but the only way out of that room are five foot doors. (laughs) So they like shoot something at it and then they wait and then they wait and wait. And then eventually they go back in and like the statues have reset. I'm like, yeah, guys, look, they're 10 feet wide and the doors are only five feet wide. And so that was fun to have them realize that on their own rather than just show it right away. (laughs) That's awesome. My favorite dungeon experience of 2016 was the travel down the layers of the abyss in my world that the players in the unending sea got to go through traveling each layer, seeing the, the punishment that very, very much uh, took inspiration from Dante's Inferno in the, each layer has different punishments for sins and getting to see the players like try to figure out what the symbol on the, the branding on each soul's head meant that what atrocities that they had done. And, and as players them as player characters themselves had brandings in their heads and being pulled aside for judgment and having to escape from eternal judgment in whatever way that they were going through that dungeon experience was was a lot of fun i enjoyed that a lot sounds horrifying yes in a great fun way (laughs) yeah it was it was a good it was a good time and it was a great way to show more lore about my world um, in a interesting way rather than just coming across a book in my world that said this is how the abyss is set up, which most of the world doesn't know. So, and we are on our last question. Question number 12. What are you looking forward to most in 2017 from the block party podcast network? I, I, I'm looking forward to being more involved. Uh, I, I came on to uh, the DMB and the, the block party podcast network is recently as a host and, you know, I've been involved in some other things that that you guys have been doing. So it's 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 awesome to to get involved, mm-hmm. uh, and and I look forward to to hosting some more episodes, to doing some more editing, uh, all that kind of stuff. It, 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 I like being one of the group. You know what I mean? And so to to put forth a product that's good and and to be involved in the production of that product. I know that's kind of redundant, but. Uh, <laughs> is what I'm looking forward to most because you know you guys, I've been listening. I don't know for for a while now to get caught up, and and it, the work that you guys, that you and Chris have started, is is pretty cool, and to be involved in that's is pretty awesome as well. And we're glad to have you part of our group. Yeah, Neil, what about you? 2017. What are you looking forward to? So playing in more GM showcase games and the final product of the GM showcase game, like when it's finally done and released. The in between part, not a huge fan, but <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> the actual play and then being done and that feeling of this is I've put in a lot of work. I really like this. I want people to listen to it. Um, but yeah, like I said, the in-between part, not the not the greatest, but it's, <laughs> it does feel worth it at the end. So, yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm excited, of course, for more Dungeon Masters block episodes. We already have a couple recorded and man, we've got some great guests coming at you guys we've got some great topics 
and I'm super excited for the other things with our, our show too. More GM showcase coming at you, more great games, more great GMs, more great players. I'm excited for Geek Wars, the final episode to be released and for everybody to see who is this season's greatest geek of them all. And of course, I'm excited for season three of We're So Bad at Adventuring. Just lots of great stuff coming from the Block Party Podcast Network. I'm super excited for all of it. So we are wrapping up this episode of the Dungeon Masters Block, the third installment of a very merry DMB Christmas We hope you guys have enjoyed this very festive episode and this look back on 2016 and this look forward to what we have coming in 2017. Ian, if our listeners would like to get in touch with us, where can they reach us at? So you can reach us on our email address at dungeonmasterblock, dungeonmasterblock, no S, at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on iTunes reviews. Leave us a five-star review. We'll give you a shout-out on the air and uh, give you our thanks. And if you only wanted to use 140 characters and check out all the cool stuff we're putting out, you could follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's DMS underscore block. And head over to our Facebook if you want to go see some cool memes that we put out and like us there. We have a Patreon member shout-out of the week, and this week's Patreon member shout-out goes to... Jay Miller! Jay is a gold dragon. Jay, thank you so much for your support. We hope that you're enjoying the rewards that come from that, listening to our bonus podcast, joining in on the dragon-only part of the forums, and, of course, being able to participate and enjoy and watch our monthly DM workshops. We hope you are enjoying all of that. But thank you so much for your support. It is appreciated. Very much. Thank you. This podcast is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network. Check out our other shows like The GM Showcase, Geek Wars, We're So Bad at Adventuring, and more. And with that, we just want to thank you for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the eagles of all their people at the (laughs) table. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you after our break next time on the Dungeons Masters Block. Good night, everyone. Merry Christmas, and keep on Dungeon Mastering. Goodbye.